Hey, I'm Kevin, the student pastor at Shore Church again. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To find out more about us or what's going on at the church, head on over to scog.com or download the app. Hope you enjoy the message. All right. We are in the middle of a series called Into the Wilderness. Into the Wilderness, we are studying Moses in the book of Exodus. So if you have a Bible with us, either physical or on your phone or whatever device you are holding at the moment, turn with me to Exodus chapter 32. 32. Like, whoa, Jared, we were on like 16 last week. I know. You got to keep up. You gotta, we're fast moving here. Uh, there's a lot to cover in Exodus, okay? Uh, so Exodus 32 will also be uh, kind of bouncing through Exodus 14. So if you want to dog ear that page or come back to it, make a note of it, you might want to read that this week uh, in your spare time as well or as your uh, time with God uh, this week. So Exodus chapter 32, we're going to talk about two distinct uh, happenstances in the life of the Israel people through their journey into the wilderness today. They're basically two completely different uh, actions of the people. And they mirror our actions and how we interact with God uh, really tightly. And maybe you've never thought of it this way uh, today as we look at the, the, the scripture. But the more I thought about it this week, the more I saw myself in the scripture. I saw myself as uh, the people of Israel in their failings and in their victories. And maybe you will identify with them as well today and in this morning. Um, and I hope that it will speak to your heart and, and speak to you um, in some profound ways, and move that, move that spiritual pendulum uh, towards the heart of God even more. Today, we had a baptism. It's a pretty big deal in the life of the church. It's a pretty big deal right now. It's a COVID baptism, that's like fireworks going off, right? Uh, so, uh, Also, we've had some interest in other people getting baptized. Uh, we'll do one, ba- unless you're family members, we'll do one baptism a week. So we will just keep on filling that bad boy up all the time. That is not a problem, all right? So if you want to get baptized, we'll continue to, to do that. If you're interested in that, you want to talk to me about that, uh, please do. Just um, Facebook, call us, put on the connection card, whatever you'd like to do. We would like to get in t- uh, contact with you. Um, but for COVID reasons, we'll just do one a week uh, or a family a week or whatever that looks like. Um, if like a husband and wife want to get baptized or whatnot, um, just to... To keep that, we're not dousing that thing in chlorine or anything like that. Uh, throughout the, it's not gonna smell like a pool in here. <laughs> so we're just uh, just doing that. Um, so that's the end of my public service announcement. But we had uh, a baptism today, and the the often we think about baptisms. Maybe we think about when Jesus is baptized, and then they're like, "Oh, John the Baptist." It sounds like a big deal. Maybe I should jump in that. Baptism is actually a very ancient practice of the Jewish people. And it comes from this moment at the Red Sea. If you notice in Exodus chapter 14, God parts the waters at the Red Sea. There's actually some scientific evidence of how this might have happened um, and where exactly on the the Red Sea or Reed Sea, that's a little farther north, um, that this could have happened. It's pretty cool to get mired into all the science stuff. We're not going to go there today. Um, Sorry if that really excites you, but uh, we're not going to do that today, but... There's this miracle, this amazing moment. The, the Egyptian army is chasing because all the firstborn of Egypt just died. The Egyptian army is chasing 
the Israelite people, then they're going to wreak havoc on them. And God opens parts the Red Sea. Maybe if you watch the Charlton Heston movie, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, like, yeah, this is the cool part. And then you, you get to like California and it's a two feet pool. Never mind. Uh, if you've seen the, I digress. Um, I just think it's really cool how they do it and for, for movies to show it, but God does it on this huge, huge, huge scale. He parts the, parts the Red Sea, walls of water on both sides, and the, the only way the Israelite people can get through. They can't go around the sea. They can't go this way under the sea because there is no that way under the sea that goes into the, an ocean. They have to go through it. And so at this moment, they say, am I going to go through this with walls of water on both sides of me? Or am I going to turn around and face an army that will destroy me, the most powerful army in the world? And we've got some sticks. And so they decide as a nation to walk through the water to follow into God's provision. And as a nation, they go under the water as slaves, their former life as slaves, and they walk out on the other side as free people because then the waters crash and they're truly free for the first time in 500 years. It's a baptism. And that keeps keeps being uh, reciprocated. It happens again 40 years later as they enter into uh, the Jordan well, they enter into the promised land. They cross the Jordan. They cross the Jordan as people who are wandering the desert. They go, those who they are, that's their identity for the last 40 years. They cross the Jordan, and now they are in the promised land. There's this life change, and there's this huge hallmarker of that. They once were this, and now they are this. And that's what we do in baptism is we go from our old self to under the water, and our old self stays in the water, and we are made a new creation our new self comes out of it. That is what it represents in our lives and what we represents and how we experience this Christian walk. And so that's kind of what we step into. And so that's where we find ourselves as we see the Egyptian people. They've gone from this moment of slavery. They came through the water and now they are free in the desert. Now everything's not all honky-dory in the desert, okay? There's some very big obstacles they have. However, they got a few things going for them. God is showing himself daily to the people. During the day, he's a big old cloud that they're like, oh, I wonder where we're supposed to go today. Well, there's a big cloud. That's God. We probably should, you know, follow that. Okay. Lord, I need a sign. Dude, you got a sign right there every day. And at night, it even gets cooler. It's a pillar of fire. I give sound effects. That's what I do. All right, the pillar of fire going on, and like, if you're, you know, cranky, you're like, I need a nightlight. Oh, thanks, God. Appreciate it. They get this happening in their life every day. If that's not enough, they run out of food in a couple days, right? If you've got a million, two million people eating everything that were slaves, it's not like they could pack a bunch of food. It's not like they had, you know, Yeti coolers that was going to keep everything cold for a couple months. All right, they've got to have a different contingency plan. They're slaves 3,000 years ago. Contingency plan is, uh-oh. That's a contingency plan, right? Because quickly, you just ate all the sheep at the Passover, right? Have you ever thought about that? Like, I just, I just ate, all, I ate my Lunchable. I don't know what, what was going to happen. And then so God provides the food, manna from heaven and quail from heaven. Manna every day, except on the Sabbath, falls from heaven. It's better than Uber Eats. It just shows up. And so these people are reminded of God's providence, of God's power, of God's Interaction in their lives every single day. But yet they forget. 
they get tired of the manna and they turn around and they go, you know what, maybe I, I should go back, we should go back to Egypt. I'm a little tired of manna. Don't have any salt to put on it, no cheese. I, I want to go back. I want to go back to, back to, back to Egypt. You, you don't understand that Egypt was slavery? Yeah, 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 yeah. But I had like lamb every once in a while and that was delicious. But it was slavery. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, uh, this is really scary. I don't know if God really is with me. There's a literal pillar of fire right there. Yeah, I don't know. He hasn't talked to me lately. I just need God to provide for my life. There's manna. You're, we're picking up manna right now. What, what is your, what, what, what was going on? But the, the thoughts in their minds keep on going back. Maybe it was better. I wasn't in a desert. I was in Egypt. I had more food. I didn't have to go around and pick up manna on the ground. I, 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 did, I had a job where I went and made bricks for a living, and that was my identity and not you know, following after this cloud during the day and this pillar of fire at night. And they start going back into this slavery mindset, this thing that they have been redeemed from, they want back in. And I have always thought, these people are dorks. Who wants to go back to slavery? Until I started examining myself a little bit harder and thinking, when stuff gets hard in my life, when things become stressful, I am so tempted to fall back in my old habits, my pre-Jesus habits, my old dysfunctions, my old temper tantrums, my old issues, my old addictions, so tempted to fall back into those instead of living out the new life that God has called me to. Maybe you can relate to that. We may have experienced a fantastic deliverance experience, one that we would never want to go back to, but we find ourselves in deserts. One that we still see God working, but it just doesn't feel like it's enough. Maybe the whole year of 2020 felt like that. There's just so many weird stressors on our lives. I'm just going back. We're in our home. I'm just going to go back to what I used to do. Maybe our addictions of of, of smoking or drinking or gambling or um, the bachelor, whatever addictions that you have to placate yourself. Now, you laugh about that, but we become addicted to things on TV, right? I have a friend who said, I did it. I was like, what'd you do? It's a guy at Whiteford. He said, what'd you do? We beat Netflix. You know that's not a video game. Yeah, we completed it 100%. (laughs) <laughs> like, whoo, we got a problem, right? <laughs> like somebody's watched a lot on Netflix uh, to, to do that. We, we beat it. It wasn't a competition. No one was keeping score. But we fall into that because we self-medicate with all kinds of weird things. Maybe it's eating disorders. Maybe it's body image stuff. Maybe it's negative thinking instead of believing in who God says you are. I don't, I don't know each and every one of your, your issues or your slavery issues, what you've been enslaved to in your past, growing up, maybe dealing with right now. But when we walk into God, we go from being that enslaved person to those desires and that stuff to becoming a new creation. We walk through the water. We go in our old self. We come out a new self. And we chase after God in those moments. The temptation when life gets hard, when we find ourselves in our deserts, is to return back 
and go, I really want to go back to slavery because I know it. Maybe it's not really comfortable, but maybe it's more comfortable than what we are living now. And in these moments, we have to understand that God is still with us. He's still acting in our lives. Sometimes we get so caught up in the, in the junk that we've got going on and so uh, blinded by the stressors and the, and the anxieties and the frustrations of our life, maybe even the addictions of our life, that we miss seeing how God has been active in our lives. We take his action in our life as mundane, as commonplace. Just as these people started to take for granted a pillar of fire at night, food being provided for them every day, a cloud during the, during the day, they start taking it for granted and we do the same thing. And that takes some self-reflection and maybe some prayer time this week to say, Lord, how am I taking you for granted? Because right now I don't feel you. I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I'm hearing from you. I don't, I don't see you working in my life. And those are legitimate questions and ones we cannot be afraid to ask. Those are much healthier questions to ask than I'm just going to go back to my old ways. But often we're scared of those, those questions or we're so frustrated with God, we don't even want to ask that question. He's a big God. He can handle your questions, your frustrations. There's many a times I've beat on my, my daddy's chest. My God can take my fist going, he's big enough for that. He's not a vengeful God. He's not like, oh, you again. Oh, I'm tired of your whining. Just like a good father, he picks you up. All right. Just like this little one right here. I know when it's a good cry. I know when it's a good moment. When the, when the, when the tears and the tantrum's over, when I get that, the snot, all on the, the badge of honor on the shoulder. That's when it's over. That's, that's, that's when she was mad at me, we've worked through it, and now we're done, and now I got a spot. We do the same to God, and we can do the same to God. Isn't that amazing? We serve a God. I don't know what your earthly father was like. I don't know what your relationships were like, but we serve a same God, or in relationship with the same God who wants those moments with us. So we're, we have shared this experience of baptism, but we also share the experience of turning away from God. Let's talk about how Israel had all these things in their life and they turned away from God. And this is one of the biggest, it's a travesty in the life cycle of the Israelite people, and it's a travesty in our lives when we let it happen to us. Because don't let yourself for a moment think you're better than the Israelites because you fall in the same cycle over and over and over again. Exodus 32. When the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, it was 40 days, okay? It's 40 days. <laughs> That's a long time. However, like, you guys don't have TV. How, how, 40 days can't be that long. Moses wandered around the desert, desert for 40 years. Like, chill out. It's 40 days. When, Mo, when people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for, this, uh, as, sorry, as for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. He's gone. He took off. He went mountain climbing and left us here. Aaron answered them. What he should have said is, shut your big head up. And that would have been awesome if that was in the Bible, by the way. Uh, it's just them. Take off the golden earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. 
Uh, he took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of the calf and announced, tomorrow there will be a festival to the Lord. So the next day, the people rose early and sacrificed burnt offerings and presented the fellowship offerings. Afterward, they sat down to eat and drink and get up and to indulge in revelry. Then the Lord said to Moses, go down because your people whom you brought out of Egypt, have become corrupt. They've been quick to turn away from what I commanded them, and they have made themselves an idol cast in the shape of a calf. They bowed down to it and sacrificed to it and have said, these are your gods, Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. All right, last week we talked about the Ten Commandments. You shall not make any other idols. You know, shall worship any other gods. Okay, if you listen to the plague message, they made the image of a calf, probably of a bull. The Apis bull was a, a symbol of another Egyptian god. Where did they get their slaves? Where did they get golden earrings and golden bracelets and, and jewelry? Their bling, if you will, 3,000-year-old bling. Where did they get that stuff? You remember a, a passage in there where God is trying to, he's trying to provision the people, and he says, hey, I'm going to open their hearts. You're going to go to your Egyptian neighbors, and you say, hey, give me your gold and stuff. And people just start giving, giving them their gold bracelets and, and, and earrings and whatnot. So where did this gold come from? It has a purpose. It has a significant purpose why God wanted them to get that stuff. But instead of using it for the divine purpose, they use it to create an idol. So what God has provided them, what God has has, has provisioned them with, this, this miraculous softening of the Egyptian heart to say, here you go, take all of our stuff. They start melting it down to return back to the Egyptian gods. They basically spit in the face of God and said, you've not been good enough. The whole plague thing wasn't good enough. The whole redemption through the Red Sea wasn't good enough. The whole pillar of fire and cloud, clouds wasn't good enough. The whole manna and quail thing's not good enough. We were left alone for 40 days and we got scared. So that's where we find ourselves in this moment. What's going on and why Moses is gone for 40 days is, is God's basically breaking down the Ten Commandments, but he's also breaking down how they're supposed to be living. How are they supposed to live out the commandments, this covenant? We've talked a lot about the Mosaic Covenant, this contract between God will say, uh, I am with you, you will be my people, I will redeem you, I'll bring you out. All the, the promises, the seven promises of God in this. How, how I'm going to keep those promises and what's your part in this covenant? Okay, this is my part. I'm going to be your God. I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to be your people. Your part is don't do stupid stuff like this. That's the Cliff Notes version, right? This is explicitly what you're not supposed to be doing. It's like they're going through a checklist of like, mm, how could I tick? How could I tick off God today? Check, 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 check. Ooh, I, I succeeded. Yes, you succeeded in being dumb, dumb heads. Um, so that's what's going on here. In these forty days, Moses is talking with God, and he's he's they're they're talking about what they're going to do to give them a physical worship space where I think God knows the heart of the people. They need something functional to do, to go to, to worship. And where God is not giving them idols to go worship or even a representation of himself to go worship, what he gives them is the ark. He tells, he, he tells Moses to make the ark of the covenant. 
He tells them to make the brazier in which all the sacrifices are, are going to be made. He, he tells them how these lampstands are going to be made. And you know what they're supposed to be made out of? Bronze and gold and all the stuff that they just used to make a false god. So he's just spent the, it's like, if you guys were just waiting, like you literally had to wait like a week. <laughs> like just maybe Moses fell coming down the mountain. I don't know. He's, he's just taking his time. All you had to do was wait just a little bit longer. All this stuff was going to be addressed systematically. All your grievances systematically done if you just would have been a little more impatient. And you know some of the greatest, biggest travesties of the scripture and probably of my own life and your life is when we got tired of waiting on God and we said these words, fine, I'll do it myself. And this is what happens. The Jewish people are like, oh, you know what? We'll do it ourselves. And it's a pale imitation of what they would have gotten if they just would have been more patient. Now, that may be a dirty word to use today, patience. I understand. <laughs> but, but this is how the people are disobedient to God. And reality is all they had to do was wait for Moses to come down. He was going to systematically address all of these grievances. God had already seen their hearts. He'd already known that it was coming. He already knew they were getting frustrated. He was going to address it. See, their impatient with God's plan leads them to sin. Their impatience with God's plan leads them to sin. Our impatience with God's plan, with God and ourselves, lead us into sin, just like that. Our impatience. So don't for a second think you're better than the Israelite people, because I used to do that. I used to fall into that trap. Man, these guys are dorks. And a couple weeks from now, we're going to judge the Pharisees really hard. We do the same thing that they did. Their forgetfulness of what God has done leads them into, into sin. Their forgetfulness of what God has done leads them into terrible sin. Our forgetfulness of what God has done leads us into terrible sin. Maybe this morning, this is a great uh, moment because we had a baptism. Maybe you need to be reminded, baptisms are always, uh, to me, kind of uh, examples back in, our, in my life of, of where God has taken me from, of who I used to be, of what I've, I've come through, the person I was at a certain point in life, and I don't have to be that person anymore, and God has called me from that. But my forgetfulness of what God has done in my life, I go, oh. Maybe we're in that moment now. I think with all the stress of COVID, with the stress of, of what life looks like, it's very easy for us to kind of become forgetful and immune to how God has been active in our lives. And so this week, we need to ask some questions of ourselves. What were the traps that you were in, the triggers that you struggle with, that take you back to wanting to be a slave to your old self again? Do you remember how God has set you free? And for some of you this morning, the answer to that, if you're brutally honest, is no, I don't remember it. And to you, I want to say God sees you. He knows you. He hears your hurt. And he is there for you. It may be hard work right now to deal with this stuff. 
But the hardest day in freedom is better than the, <laughs> the hardest day in freedom is better than the best day in slavery. You need to think about that. Because the Israelites forgot that truth. They got tempted, they got roped back into thinking that an average day, that a best day of slavery would be better than whatever day they're in, in freedom. They forgot that the Egyptians took their firstborn sons and threw them in the Nile. Or all their sons and threw them in the Nile. They forgot the oppression. They forgot the unfairness. They forgot the beatings. They forgot the heartache. In our life, let us not forget where we've come from, how God has walked through us, how we've gone through pain points and emerged better, what we've had victory over, the heartache, the addictions, the hurt, the stuff of life, because God has brought us through, and God has made us a new creation and loves us passionately and intimately. Let's pray this morning. God, thank you so much for today. Lord, as we sit here wrestling with these truths, Lord, I ask for you to move in our hearts. Because if we're brutally honest with ourselves, we've forgotten sometimes what it's like. We've forgotten who we used to be. We only see the good things of the, of the good old days. We don't remember the heartaches and the hurt and the destruction of it. Lord, right now, if anybody in this room feels far away from you, they've forgotten the feel of your touch on their lives and in their heart and their soul. Lord, I ask you that you would move in their life this week. That you would meet them in a mighty way or a still small way, you would just meet them. Lord, that you would soften our hearts to be open to receiving you, to open to hearing from you, open to seeing you move in our lives. That you would remove the scales from our eyes that we could see the world through the freedom of you. Lord, we love you. And we praise your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us at church this week. And a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe. And don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word. Have a great week.